Welcome to The Observer Effect, a podcast of travel stories. Each week we hope to bring you a conversation with somebody we meet overseas and at least one good story. Episode 110, The Fata Morgana, Rome, where Peter immigrated. There's a peculiar optical illusion that occurs frequently in the Strait of Messina between Sicily and mainland Italy, a mirage in the narrow band just above the horizon called the Fata Morgana. These distorted images can resemble upside-down ships or lost islands or even fairy castles and were thought to lure sailors from their path. Peter owns the best gelato company in Rome called Fanta Morgana. I asked him what it was like to move there from Canada. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote of the Fata Morgana in a poem, I wander and wander along, and forever before me gleams the shining city of song. The first question is, can you describe what you look like for the audience listening? What I look like now? Yeah. Well, or, or what you looked like <laughs> in the past either. Or <laughs> I looked like during my story. You know, what I look like now, well, I'm, I'm 71 years old. I have gray hair. <laughs> uh, not too tall. Not too thin. <laughs> and um, what else can I say? Uh, that's my physical um, attributes. Um, about myself, I've been living in uh, in Italy now for 42 years, wow. since 1976. Uh, but I was born in Italy, and as a child, and when I was four years old, we moved to Canada. Mm-hmm. And I spent all my, my youth there, let's say, university, up to university, and I also worked for a number of years. So I was 29 when I left. Mm-hmm. Wow. So. Wow. And uh, was that around Toronto? Toronto, yes. Yeah. That my, mainly the Ontario, Toronto, the province of Ontario. I did work uh, for four years, in, for five years in Quebec's, okay. not Quebec City, but in, in the province of Quebec. Okay. In the, in, the, in the schools, I used to be a teacher. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. I didn't realize that. No, no. I used to teach, uh, I used to teach a math. Wow, wow. Uh, okay. And um, I used to teach in the English schools in the French uh, in the French uh, let's say environment you know in Canada there's there's a great problem between the French and the English especially in Quebec the separatism mm. uh, and so there are you know these islands of English English communities all over Quebec in fact Montreal is the biggest Montreal is half is half English yeah. Whereas outside of Montreal, it's almost totally French. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I was teaching in the English schools in uh, in the French province. Yeah. Uh, before we go too much further with your story, can you describe where we are now? Well, we're now in Rome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I live here in the in the quartier in the in the, in the, in the sub not the suburb the, the part of Rome that is called. Pinciano. Mm. It's um, let's say it's a quite a it's an upper end mm. zone of Rome. Uh, it's quite central. 
you know, we're not right in the historical center, but we're within walking distance of Via Veneto and uh, the, the major park was Villa Borghese. Mm. And there's, there's a lot of public transit, <laughs> which some people don't know about. <laughs> uh, and you can get anywhere, almost anywhere very easily. Yeah. I'm very happy to live here. Yeah. Uh, the, we noticed some really interesting ruins on the way, uh, just intermingled with the modern buildings. Well, you have, we we, we're just outside the, the, the walls of Rome. Yeah. So you got off and you walked along the walls almost. Yeah, yeah. Walked through. And so, what era are those walls from? Uh, well, those are the Roman area. Those are the Roman. The Romans had walled in, had walled in the city for protection. It's quite big, the wall. I mean, it's an area that's extremely. Yeah, it's huge. And those walls, you know, every 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 evening, all the doors were closed, and you couldn't get in, you couldn't get out. You mm -hmm. know. And outside, I guess, you know, it was quite um, a lot of barbarians and a lot of. Uh, in, in those times, there was much pretty yeah. law and order. Was was I think they're quite tall. Also, I, I'm really surprised. Yeah, they are very tall. And I guess. Can you describe them for people listening who haven't seen them? Well, here? these walls are are made with what they call the famous Roman brick, which is a very flat, uh, solid brick. It's mm. not doesn't have uh, holes in it like in the normal So it's just solid, flat. Uh, brick about let's say two or three centimeters high mm -hmm. and in fact if you look at them they're really you know they're really packed one on top of the other mm -hmm. and they're very very solid and that's the classical roman uh, roman brick mm -hmm. now you'll find some you have to be very careful you might confuse the roman walls with the roman aqueduct uh, yeah the roman aqueduct whereas the roman walls you can see they're fully they're full Mm. completely full it's a wall it's a bear it's a fortress mm -hmm. whereas the aqueduct it, it looks almost the same but then they will have arches okay and just to support the the aqueduct which is runs on the top mm -hmm. and rome had many they came from it came from the castelli which is in the south west no southeastern part of rome to the hills where they're where they would get the water from uh, the lakes mm -hmm. and then they come also from uh uh, Bracciano Lake, which is in the northern part of, uh, straight north of Rome, mm -hmm. and this, it would bring. They would bring. The, I mean, Rome had. I mean, I don't know if everybody knows this, but they had the probably the most advanced plumbing systems in, in the world, for the, even better, probably better than today for some, <laughs> some areas. So, what is it like living in this? But it, it, it's great to live here now. But again, it's very difficult. It was. When I came here, it was extremely difficult to adjust because 40 years ago, the, the Italy of 40 years ago was very, very bureaucratic, very, very clientelism. You couldn't do anything unless you knew someone or if you went through the right channel, all the normal channels, it would take you a century to get anything done. Mm. You needed certificates for everything. Mm. You know, mm. Whatever you needed, you had to go to the anagrapher, which is the the central registry of, of people. When you come here, you have to register with your your family and your address and everything. And from there, you get all kinds of different certificates, certificates, your birth certificate, your your death certificate, your your residency certificate, your family makeup certificate. Uh, and you needed all these things. You couldn't do anything if you didn't have... Some. So it was extremely difficult coming from a an Anglo-Saxon yeah. country like Canada where everything works. <laughs> 
you do a thing with a phone call. Here, it take you days to do something you would do in five minutes. And so I was, it was pretty difficult for me to adjust in those periods. Mm. And and I look back and I really uh, I regret how I handled that because you want to should have also tried to flow with it. You no, know, but it's hard to flow. Mm. Hard to flow with the, with with the, with the problem. But nobody's ever on time, so you're used to going. You know. Mm. An appointment at eight o'clock. You're at eight o'clock. An appointment at eight o'clock means it's around eight o'clock. <laughs> could be eight thirty. Could be nine. So these sort of things that they made the adjustment very very difficult. Most of it. And I think now it's much easier because you know with the European market, things have evolved. The internet, even though Italy's still quite bureaucratic, but I'm also noticing that you know that. Things are also bureaucratic in other countries. Mm. For example, you know that I'm in the ice cream business. Mm -hmm. Our franchise opened um, an ice cream parlor in California, Los mm. Angeles, and you wouldn't believe the the bureaucracy they went through. Mm. Even worse than here. So I think, and you know, all the world is a stage, and everybody's a, they're all the same. You know, they, yeah. it's just that everybody has their they're, everybody slows down when yeah. it comes to bureaucracy. What else do you remember from that period? Well, arriving was, like what? What senses do you remember? Uh, well, you know, like? the major sense was it was, it was desperate. I mean, you know, <laughs> helplessness in doing anything, getting anything done. You didn't need help from anyone. And you couldn't do anything by yourself. If you did, you would waste a day doing it. You know, there's all kinds of agencies, and there still are, but much less now. Hmm. That's all they did was went and stood in line for you. You know what I mean? For whatever you had to do, wow. you pay them, and then they would do that. You'd, you'd pay for the certificate, but you'd save yourself, you'd save yourself a day's work. You know. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, but, uh, what was your relationship to Italy, though? Uh, growing, you spending your youth in Canada, and then like, did you speak Italian? Well, I spoke it. I thought I spoke Italian. Okay. <laughs> and it was a great shock to me that I didn't speak Italian in a sense I spoke a dialect like Italy if you're talking about way back then you know, there were very few well very few superhighways I mean the superhighway the, all the autostrade or superhighways were built in the 50s and the 60s and say, say in the 60s hmm. before that see Italy is one huge mountain and hmm. Getting from A to B is very, very complicated. So every little village was completely isolated in the mm. mountains. Mm. You know, so there was very little communication with one another. So what happened? Each little village grew up with their own with their own dialect. Mm. Mm. So from one village to the next, dialect. So you know, you, you get further away from the the real clean Italian. So I spoke <laughs> dialect from from our from our town. <laughs> <laughs> and which was not hard it wasn't understood for <laughs> but it was a good base to you know to begin uh, yeah to learn the, the real Italian and what did you think about Italy growing up what was your relationship now, to the country it was very very distant because you know when you're an immigrant and you go to another country especially when you're young your main scope is to fit in okay so you, you tend to discard or try to minimize your whatever would link you to being a non-Canadian, let's say. Mm -hmm. So I had no great passion for Italy. Yeah. At all. Yeah. It was something he also tended to uh, to, to to avoid to you know, this relationship. 
because you wanted to fit in. Do you remember why? Do you have an anecdote, like a moment where that? A, a, well, no, just a, the normal, normal walk of, of life. You would never. I mean, the fact. So you have to understand being an immigrant if you've never been one. Mm. You have to. You do everything to try to fit in. You know, because you. You know, you, 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 because you're always looked on as, as as we're looking on now as all these Arabs that are, you know, all the other, the the, 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 the Africans that are coming to Italy are all, let's say, looked at in, in negatively. Mm. So you were looked on as negatively when you were, you know, when you went into Canada because you were different. And you were, you, 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 felt, trying, you felt that. Of like, course. Like in people's well, gestures or looks or well, of course, and you and, and you also held up as 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 your uh, as your say your peers would be all the the you know the 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 more Anglo-Saxon people like there were a lot of us there were a lot of immigrants in Canada at that time you know there were Polish and but you know then there were there were the local wasps etc so that they were the mm. the people you tried to emulate no yeah yeah to yeah be part of them because they were the yeah they were the ones that they the, the culture that you wanted to be part of yeah and did, did you feel like you achieved assimilation yeah in the year as you know in the years i think it was more difficult to say up to maybe primary school and elementary right. school then maybe you started getting into high school and you started getting more fitting in i think yeah, yeah. you became less of a yeah. but you always had the problem that your parents were still you know right your right. parents were still the. They, they don't. They didn't change. <laughs> well, they had more difficult to change. Of course, they yeah. They didn't go to school. They, yeah. did, they, they had to learn their their English. Uh, yeah. So it was difficult for them. Yeah. It was difficult to have them as you know, as your parents. So that wasn't that wasn't nice. Yeah. I think back at that. But that's I mean that's normal though I think for everyone when you're going to try to fit into another culture. Yeah. 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 Uh, I wanted to go back. I had another question that jumped into my mind. When you came here, and you experienced the bureaucracy, and you want, you wish you had gone more with the flow. I'm curious how. Well, because I missed a lot of things. See, you you made it a big deal that people were late, and then you would lose the importance of what that appointment was all about anyway. Let's right. say we're going to go to a movie or something. The meeting was at eight o'clock. People start showing up at eight, you know, or eight thirty or something. You're so upset because everybody's late and you've been waiting there for half an hour. And then you didn't, didn't enjoy that evening at all. So it was just yeah, that's just a simple example. But it all happens right. a lot of times. But you, you know, that you made that those, which for the Italians are insignificant, but for you were very important or seemed to be important. And you made that ruin your, you know, made that ruin your day, your life, your that evening, that moment. Yeah. So my question is, do you does that change you then? Do you end up becoming late, or do you keep oh, that you should, part you of should, yourself? You should see the way I drive. <laughs> what do I, you used mean? To, I used to stand in the street corners giving everybody the right away because. No, no. no, you have to survive in the end. No, I'm more Roman than the Romans. Are. No. No, Did, no. How would you compare the two uh, assimilation experiences then? Was it? Did you feel similar feelings? coming here that you did growing up in Canada? No, you felt more, you know, which is bad because, you know, how Americans are, you feel you're superior to the rest of the world when you when you were really not. Because we don't, I mean, Canada's a bit better than the States, but in the States they don't know anything that's outside the confines of, the, of their boundaries. I mean, we're talking about most people. The general population of America doesn't know what's outside the, you know, their boundaries. Mm. 
No, but I mean, and that's. But I'm saying, you know, that was the. I felt superior in that sense because I was here, you know, and I was superior to everybody else, but which was really a mis a misconception. Mm, mm. They have just other ways of looking at things. That's all. Yeah. So. So yeah. And I do advise people when they come here, new people that, and they say, you, you know, how did you find? And they're all having trouble, but not the kind of trouble I had because things are different now. Mm. And a lot of them come here, and they're they're part of a or a multinational company sent them here, so they got you know they got their their, their their ways already paved. They have very little really to face. And I tried to tell me, you know, you just slow down and smell the roses. Forget it. If people are late, then everybody's gonna be late anyway. Don't worry about it. Don't worry if you're gonna, you know, if you show up an appointment 15 minutes late, because you're probably gonna be the first guy there anyways. And then all the other things. Yeah. So I try to give them that advice. I said because I missed that. <laughs> So that, that, that's what this uh, project is all about, examining um, how much identity comes from the places we go and the experiences of going places, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm just curious how much you feel like you've changed, well, I've changed through these lot. experiences. Yeah. Totally. I've changed totally. Yeah. I don't really... I still have... I still think and read, I mean, think and organize with a... See, Italians, <laughs> Italians are very, a very intelligent population, but they have a funny way of looking at things. Okay? They never get to the point. Okay? They take an argument, they go around it and run around it, mm -hmm. around it. They eventually get to it. There's an Anglo-Saxon, sees the problem, goes right to it. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Because part of the culture is here is. I think it's confusion reigns everywhere. So they, it reigns in 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 Nelson their reasoning. Mm -hmm. So the Italian politicians are so good; they just don't let you understand anything. I mean, they're just mm -hmm. <laughs> just as bad as the other because they just talk around and they never know nobody hits an argument. Mm -hmm. But Italians are they're, they're also taught to be very theoretically. In school, in Italy, in school, you work totally on theory. Mm. Don't, there's no practical application or anything. So everything is addressed on a theoretical point. So they don't really get to the problem. The thing is that they are so... There's so much more... Much, much readier to, to, to take on difficult assignments and different assignments are out of the scope of their work mm. than an Anglo-Saxon is. See, mm. an Italian, and when you see, I discuss it all the time with my friends, let's say engineers, okay? You take an American engineer, you need someone to do a job, you take him out of university, you put him in the field and he's, he's off and running. Mm. Mm -hmm. And he's immediately productive for you. You take an Italian, he can't do anything. Mm. But he has the knowledge, the backup, to do everything. And what happens is you have to invest in the Italian. Yeah, what it'll do, you, he begins to learn the job. Then you, if you want to confront these, these two guys in a couple of years, you'll find that the American is still there, you know, doing his, what he can do best. And what happens is when they get into a problem situation, the Italian will solve it in a million different ways. Because he has so many ways of looking at things. 
Whereas this guy, he, 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 if he gets off, off out, of his, uh, out of his tracks, out of, out of, he's lost. Mm. And we've seen, I saw that many times in Johnson & Johnson, when we had, we had the Americans who, who came up, engineers, to show us how to run our equipment. Okay? Mm. Mm. After a few months, we were, we were teaching them. Mm. No, I'm serious. I used to work with these guys closely because they, I was the liaison, because they, not that I was an engineer, but I spoke English, so I was always taking them to lunch and talking. And the guy says to me, God, I don't know how you guys do it. We, you guys, we had a breakdown here, and a breakdown that would have lasted at least three weeks in the States. These guys resolved it in five days. You know, they came up with solutions that, that weren't in the book, they just came up with the solutions. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the way the Italians are, are, let's say, the Italian mentality of looking at things, of reasoning about things, of reasoning globally, uh, is, let's say, in the long run, superior. Mm. In fact, the best solution is you get an Italian engineer, studies engineer, and he does a master's in the States, and then nobody can beat him because <laughs> he's got then all the theory, he's got all the practicality. In fact, I have a, a classic example. He's a son of, son of one of my closest friends. Engineer in, uh, in Italy, worked for two years because you have to work at least two years before you go to get a master's. Went to the States, got a master's. You know, the world is his oyster. But he's never going to come back to Italy because he's, he's doing that. At 40 years old, he's doing things that he would, he would never do at the end of his career because, mm. because he's, uh, you know, he sees the quality of the guy because he has all the, the theory and, and, the, and the ingenuity to resolve and also the practical application of the, uh, the Anglo-Saxon, you know, show you how to do things and here's how you do it. McDonald's. That's a, yeah, yeah. Take the any idiot you could put him on there and he can do it all. Yeah. Just show me just right. So have you ever read The Wrench by Primo Levi? No. It's a novel about an engineer no. solving problems all around the world. Yeah. It's just a series of encounters between a writer and an engineer, yeah. and the engineer just telling about these wild mm. problems that he's had to solve traveling in his work uh -huh. everywhere. Uh -huh. And I, I just wonder uh, no, how I that would resonate but, with you. <laughs> I've always wondered what, I, what symbol he was trying to represent by choosing that theme to detail. Well, you know? we discuss that a lot of times, but, but that happens everything also in finance, you know. You get a guy that's that's uh, has a degree in Italian uh, finance. He can't do anything. <laughs> I mean, he can't do anything really. You put him in, you put him in an office, and not that he's up and running. You take an, uh, an American from a, a not even a master's degree, but a, a financial degree, and he can sit down and do your forecasts and panels and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's changing now, though. Eh? So with some of the Private universities in Rome. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple. Of, not Rome in Italy. There's Bocconi and Louis Bocconi in Milan and and Louis in in Rome that are very uh, Anglo-Saxon orientated. Yeah. They even do some of the courses in English. And they're yeah. very more specific and more <laughs> hands-on. Let's put the hands-on. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we need to circle back. How did you end up in Rome? Why? Well, I was in Rome because I was um, decided. To, I used to teach, so I had lots of time off in the summer. So a friend and I, we, we got our pack sacks, and got a year rail ticket, 
And we just head out without any without any any goals. But I did have one 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 assignment. My mother uh, says to me, the the daughter of one of my old friends when I was in Italy, who used to come and visit me in our village. She used to come as a, in the summer as a for her vacation. I used to, she was my I say my summer playmate. Her and I and I've kept correspondence with all these years. Her daughter is getting married. So my mother used to do this hand embroidery, you know, and crochet and all that stuff, you know, things. And she had done some sort of... <laughs> some sort of thing. I'll fold it up. And she gave me this little package. Which I, was, I said, you have to consult. When you're in Rome, when you're in Rome, I have no program, but eventually going to go. When you're in Rome, to consign this, and she gave me the address, name and the address. So I, I had that in the bottom of my, you know, bottom of my pack sack. I imagine which state it was in when I got to Rome. But when we got to Rome, eventually, there's one thing I have to tell you about Rome. In those years, talking 40 years ago, in August, you could do a survival course in Rome. Okay? Everything, everybody went on holidays in August. Everything was closed. You couldn't find a supermarket. We didn't, first of all, we didn't have major supermarkets. But you couldn't find an elementality. You couldn't find anything open. Like, the newspapers used to publish what was open, you know, like a list of from uh, pharmacies to... Wow, wow. Well, because everybody was on holidays. The, the town was dead. But I didn't know that, okay? I mean, we arrived in Rome, I think it was the 5th or 8th of August. And people had already been gone for a week. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. And we, we stopped off at the station, we had something to eat, and then we took the bus. The bus that you probably should have taken, because <laughs> it's in this area, not far. And I show up at, at, at this lady's house. And, ringed it, and I ring the bell. And, uh, and, and they answer, and I start talking to them in my Italian. <laughs> and I hear the door open. No, the the the, the porter. So we, we we walk in, and we walk in. We go to the elevator. But the elevator is occupied. You know, and someone's coming down. We're coming down, and the other ones. And it was it was my this lady with with it was lady with her husband and 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 Antonietta. And and so at the end, you know, I was talking to her. she. Got, she could understand me because she knew the dialect of right. that of that village. Right, right, right. So you know. We got him. So what they? So we all got back and elevator and went upstairs and and I. Uh, so who was getting married was Antonietta's little sister. Ah. So um, you know we I gave her the present. We had a nice lunch and I met Antonietta. And my her mother says, "Oh, you got to well, you know you have to look after these guys because they don't speak any Italian." And then Antonietta said, "Apologies." And uh, and so that's uh, how we met. Now. Talk about the sliding doors. It was that was just amazing that we could. Uh, the only reason they were in Rome, and they were only in Rome for a couple of hours, okay, because um, they were at the, at the seaside, okay, and they'd come in. The father had to do something, something important, and they had to go to the bank or something. To, so they all came back into Rome for just for for for, for the. For the afternoon, not even two, three hours, and they went home wow. and ate. Wow. So, you know, if I'd left uh, half an hour earlier or, or even ten minutes late, I would have missed it because they were leaving. See, they came down because they opened the thing, the door, and then they came down the elevator. So they were, if I'd arrived five minutes later, I wouldn't have found anybody. And wow. I would have been, so 
That's my sliding door story. <laughs> and so you ended up. Uh, well, I ended up with Antonietto. Unfortunately, I had to say goodbye to my friend because he had to continue the trip by himself because I stayed in Rome for a couple of weeks. And then I had to go back in September. And then Antonietta came, she came to Canada in October, November for. Which was very about a bad idea because it was she got the worst part of Canada in winter. Yeah. Can you imagine coming from Rome and going to the northern? I mean, yeah. like Michigan and Canada. That's how it is. Worse Minnesota. <laughs> uh, and then we decided no, this was not going to be a good place for her to stay. And so we came back in. Uh, that was seventy five. So we. So I met her in 75, this September of 75, August of 75. And then we came back in 76. Wow. I'm here ever since. <laughs> it, was, it was a hell of an adventure. It was also very, 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 I would say in Italian, cosciente, and I've been like, taking things very easily. And I'm telling you, it's, ah, you speak English, you're going to have no problem finding jobs. Instead, it was a, it was a disaster because there were no. no it's very difficult to find jobs. Full of people, English people who did who were doing supply teaching. That was, Rome was full of it. A lot of people wanted to stay in Rome for what you know. Rome, <laughs> it's difficult to leave. So, yeah. very difficult market. So from there, I, I used the uh, let's say my background in, in mathematics, and I had done some accounting as well, and I, and I started working as a, as accountants or in junior accounting jobs in me. And I had one great advantage that. I spoke English, not only right. I was Italian, right. which was no one. And if you can imagine, in, in 40 years ago, nobody spoke English. I mean, nobody spoke English. Was, they didn't teach English in schools. They, talk, they taught French as a second language in schools because they had a lot of French-speaking teachers. Yeah. That was the reason. <laughs> and so English, nobody spoke English. For, well, English is only coming... And say maybe the last ten years that are you know the younger generation speaks a lot more English and I guess also with all the English songs that they all learn learn the lyrics, mm -hmm. but I had that great advantage. But I had to start from the bottom, of course. But I had the possibility to move around because I was you know, mother tongue English, mm. even though my Italian was bad, but I could still communicate. But they didn't care. I was. To fit into, you know, also the, the, the labor laws, you know, you just, it was difficult to hire foreigners. Right. You had to justify to hire a foreigner, you had to, you had to make applications, justify that you couldn't find that position among the Italians, they were the pain in the ass. Yeah. Whereas when they could, with me, they was an Italian, bang, you know. Yeah. So I moved around from these junior positions and then uh, I get more senior, then I did an MBA here in Rome. With Boston University, they had a program that they used to. That's where she went. You from Boston? I'm not from Boston. That's Boston where I went University. To school, yeah. Well, they did. Um, or was the University of Boston? That was getting mixed up. Mm, I don't think there is a University of Boston. Oh, it's Boston, University. Boston University. They had a program. This was still in the years when the, the Mar they were American bases all over Europe, especially in Germany, all over. Mm. So what they did, they did an MBA program targeted to the military. In, in Rome, I mean, in, in, in Europe, to offer them the MBA, an MBA to the, to, to the military. That, and so they worked a lot in Germany, and they were, they were also in Rome because they had the embassy here with all kinds of Marines. 
had people came up from Naples, from the NATO base in Naples. So, you know, they had a, we had a class, I would say, half Americans and half Italians who had the possibility to do this, this uh, MBA program. Yeah. Wow. So I did an MBA, it was in 80, 82, I think. And from then on, it got a bit better and easier. Yeah, yeah. I worked for all multinational, always worked for multinational companies. I worked for, for Gulf Oil, which is now Kuwait. Uh, I worked for Hertz Rent a Car, worked for Playtex, Intimate Wear, uh, Johnson & Johnson, worked for major uh, energy companies recently. Wow. But always, you know, taking advantage of the fact that I was an Italian right. and spoke English mother tongue. But also, I knew my job too. <laughs> I was good at my job. Otherwise, that gave me the opportunity to get in, right. and then to stay in. You had to be able to get through the interviews. You know. Right, right. So that's half the battle. Well, I, I have just two more questions. Um, can you describe how we met, <laughs> for the record? Well, and I'm in the. I'm retired now, but my son and I, we we have a, a part of an, uh, an ice cream gelato franchising here in Rome. And in Rome, we're connected with a, a, a gourmet um, uh, food tour, okay? gastronomic food, not gourmet, gastronomic food tour. And what they do is they, they choose the most characteristic Roman Italian uh, food, uh, food things, like the best mozzarella, the best prosciutto, the best uh, cookies, and the best wine. And they do a four-hour tour, so, and they take you around and on this tour, there's also the best gelato, which is, which is us. <laughs> which and, is 100% uh, true. <laughs> Life-changing. <laughs> uh, well, the person that has this, that runs this, this food tour, he, he runs it in, in, in Rome, in Florence, in London, in Amsterdam, and in, in Prague. So, so I went to London for personal reasons. And... And uh, speaking with uh, the, the food tour organizer here in Rome, and he said, why don't you take the tour in uh, the London tour and give me some feedback also. And so I took the, the London tour, and uh, guess who I met? <laughs> Alison and Joe. <laughs> and we were stunned because we had done the food tour in Rome. Yes. The, the wrong year one. before, the, the wrong, wrong one. one. <laughs> but we had your gelato. Yeah, we were saying the wrong one. But not, uh, oh, wait. But not on that, that tour. Not have... No, it wasn't on the tour, it was Giliti. Giliti. Oh. Yeah. But we found your gelato on yeah, our own. Ah. And it blew our minds the creativity of yeah. the ingredient combinations. And uh, I couldn't believe that we, <laughs> you know, that we met you in London. Because <laughs> we talk about that gelato constantly. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the part not, of the reason we're not that I'm blowing my own horn here, but. <laughs> We do have probably the best gelato in Italy, or even more. It's it's because it's it's not only it's really genuine. It's made with it's not made with powders like it's made with real chestnuts. It's made with real strawberries, made with real everything. So then we also have a very very creative uh, chef. Well, I wanted to ask about the origin of that because this time I ate garlic. Ah, oh, garlic, black which, garlic, which I loved. <laughs> it was fascinating, and we've had. You other, have this, you have that what, what were the other ones that we've tried uh, last time? Oh, 
Some with cheese. Nice. Yeah. Gorgonzola. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. Also, there's also a really good li licorice and honey. Ah, okay. Yeah. I tried that last time I was there, even though we had it. Yeah. They, so, used, to, they used to have a licorice, which was just, just straight licorice. It was good. It was, this is sweet, less sweeter, more delicate, let's say. It's licorice and honey and something. Some fennel, I think. Yeah, fennel. Mm. Ah, I had a tobacco one also. This tobacco, time, and this which guy, was really. So that's called. Um, yeah. What do we call that? Well, it's tobacco and um, and chocolate. Chocolate with tobacco infusion of uh, tobacco leaves. That was amazing. <laughs> so, so why why so creative? It's just this uh, shaft. Yeah, yeah. The Father Morgana. We call her the Father. Father Morgana is a fairy. That's the name she chose, and she's really creative. She's really she's a chef, and uh, she just spends her time creating new tastes. I mean, some of the ones we have are really exceptional. Anyway, I mean, combinations of you know, basil, walnuts, and honey. You know. Yes. Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's one choice. I mean, some things that you in inconceivable things put together like garlic and that thing. what else is with the garlic something else and it's good yeah. <laughs> it doesn't taste like real yeah. black, like black olive black, it's black garlic also, yeah. and something else yeah yeah. and so she um, yeah she's very, very very creative well that actually was my last question to tell the story of your yeah. gelateria but uh, yeah that's it Okay, thanks thank, very much. Thank you so much. That I was hope. perfect. That was beyond my uh, expectations. Uh, you thought I was the boring person. No, 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 no. <laughs>